This is No BS Job Search Advice Radio, episode 2051 of the number one podcast on Apple Podcasts for Job Search. No show is even close to this one. I'm Jeff Altman, the Big Game Hunter, and welcome. My guest today is Michelle Yu. That's Y-U. I just want to make sure you do the spelling of her name. And Michelle and I are going to speak about, well, it's kind of like the gambler for um, career change. You got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. Know when to run away, etc. And uh, that's really the subject of our show, is using some of her experiences, talking about making the change in career. Hope you find this helpful and give it a great review wherever you listen to it, because frankly, your reviews make a difference in the algorithm for Apple, Spotify, and other services that the show appears in, and it really does make a difference. So please give it a good review wherever you listen to the show. Now, we'll be back in just one moment. Have you been struggling on your interviews? Are you not getting the results that you want? My course my book, my Kindle book, The Ultimate Job Interview Framework, will help you dramatically improve your performance. Now, if you'd like the course, it's a video course that I offer through Udemy. You can order it at TheBigGameHunter.us or as a paperback or Kindle book on Amazon. What the course will teach you is really very simple. The best question to ask on an interview and when to ask it. How to answer the question, tell me about yourself, far better than anyone else would ever answer it. In addition, you'll be able to tell stories that connect the dots with the interviewer about how your background fits the role and be able to ask questions that are going to allow you not to step into the minefield that you've been in too many times before in your job search and in your career. So again, it's called the Ultimate Job Interview Framework. It's available on Udemy. That's U-D-E-M-Y dot com. Uh, or you could go to my course directly at TheBigGameHunter.us forward slash interviews. Again, available inexpensively as a course or as a paperback or Kindle book on Amazon. Now let's get back to the show. So my guest today is Michelle Yu, a former HR executive turned career and leadership coach. After working in the tech industry for a decade, a decade, I tell you, she left the corporate world to pursue entrepreneurship and do what she loves to do, help other people reach their fullest potential. She graduated from UC Irvine and has an MBA from Duke. Michelle Welcome. I appreciate you making time today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So you're someone who went through a transition. How did you know it was time to go through a transition? Yeah, that's a really good question. It's being able to be super honest with yourself and ask yourself what the change needed or required is. Um, I think a lot of times we know and we kind of suppress it, but when when it's time and we're ready to start doing something different, that's really when we should start listening to our inner intuition. Suppress it? Why would anyone do that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a good question too. I think so many times, whether it be fear or... Um, yeah, just uh, the fear of the unknown um, or 
like comfort, you know, that also goes back to fear because you don't want to go into something that's uncomfortable. And um, those are all reasons that our mind tells us to just stay and, you know, continue being miserable in your current position. But those are the signs that we need to pick up on to know that it's time for a change. And for you, when you were you know, making that decision, I'm sure it was not a, I wake up one morning and decide, that's it. How long did you silently suffer before you went through, decide to take action? Oh my gosh, probably like two years, a year and a half to two years, I knew something was off. And I think, you know, the, the transition from the corporate world into entrepreneurship is a pretty drastic one. But I think I started realizing some of the signs as I started really questioning, like, why am I doing this? This doesn't sound right. Um, wanting to start pushing back and then getting a lot of resistance and realizing like I had my own way that I wanted to run certain things. Um, that was a big sign for me too. like, oh, maybe it's not is it the environment or is it me? And I think it was a combination of both to realize like, okay, something has to change here. I'm a guy with an MSW and they always talk about person and environment. And when I think in terms of systems, I'm watching something in pro football these days where a guy who is a, a good player, but not a great player is having a great season with the New York Giants. And you know, he was talking yesterday after a particularly good game about how he's in an environment now and a system now and with players around him that really complement him very well, making a comparison to where he came out of previously. So, folks, I'll just simply say, if it looks like a duck and it quacks like one, it's probably a problem. <laughs> yeah. So how did you go about trying to figure it out? What approach did you take? What kind of steps did you go through? For me, I ended up having to, um, well, I had a really bad period of burnout, first of all. And I think that was my body actually giving me the physical signs that what I was doing was not sustainable anymore. I was working maybe 80 to 100 hours a week. I was traveling a lot uh, from West Coast to East Coast and internationally and and I think my body just gave me the sign, like, you're done. <laughs> you have to do something different. So that led me to um, taking a medical leave of absence, which is very um, unique. It's a unique situation because when I was in HR, I would administer these leaves of absences for other employees. And for me to actually go through it myself was like a completely different game. Um, but that's really what was, what led me to thinking, okay, well, what I was doing wasn't sustainable and what do I want to do? What, what would an ideal career look like for me? And how did you figure that out? I think, okay. So as a coach, I think everybody knows secretly deep down inside what they want to do, but it's that suppression of, of what we want to do that. I had to confront because I always knew I wanted to be a coach. I've actually been saying that I wanted to be a coach for, I don't know, maybe five years prior. Um, and that was why I wanted to get an MBA was to be able to help others, advise others, coach others through certain situations, especially in the corporate world. Um, so when I finally took that leave of absence and I did a lot of internal work, um, I realized I want to go back and help people. And that was what led me to launching my coaching business. So when you work with the people that you coach, helping them with transitions, we're off of you right now because <laughs> you know you had a certain degree of self-awareness and time to do some work mm -hmm. you know, from 
taking that leave. But not everyone does. Right. So with that, how would someone begin the process of looking at transitioning? You know, not everyone has that deep down, I know what I really want to do that you had. How do you take them through the process? Well, there has to be a certain amount of awareness and self-awareness to, to, that they need to go through themselves. So whether that they, whether they do that alone or they do that with assisted help, like getting a career coach or working with a counselor, uh, that's the first step is building the awareness. Like what is on the table? What are you even considering? Um, what are the options that you've always wanted to do, but you're too afraid to do? And asking some of these deeper seated, hard questions um, allows them to just see what comes up and see where that might take you next. And thus, you know, asking hard questions like what? What kind of questions can someone ask themselves to kind of sort it out? Yeah. Um, one question would be like, if you only had a year to live, how would you want to spend your life? That's a beautiful question, puts a lot of things into perspective. And other questions like, what would you do if you're completely unafraid and if money weren't an issue? And, you know, the classic one is if you knew you wouldn't fail, mm-hmm. what would you try? What would you do? And I heard recently a, a flip on that is if you knew you would fail, what would you do? Because the statistical probability is a lot of folks are going to fail. Uh, so however you do it, folks, you got to start going through the process. Now, one of the advantages of hiring a coach like Michelle or I is the notion of that we're going to hold your feet to the fire and you can't just simply go, okay, um, I think I'll skip it for two weeks and then go about forgetting it. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. We go to the core of what it is they want to do and we explore that and we explore all the reasons why they are telling themselves no and why they think it can't work. And yeah, like you said, hold the feet to the fire. It's the lies that people tell themselves that keep them small. And thus a coach, Michelle, I, someone else, whomever, um, a wife, husband, partner, who's a tough individual who can you know, have those challenging conversations with you that you don't feel like you can push back on them because often with people who are too close, they'll back off when you push back, mm-hmm. right? So the notion that it's someone that you can really work with who will keep you focused on what the prize is for you, that I think becomes so important. So here we are just trying to figure it out. And let's say, you know, people develop a list of possibilities because they just don't know, even though on some level they do. (laughs) So how do they kind of take this, it's like executive search. You have a long list and you want to create a short list from the long list. Mm -hmm. How do do they start figuring it out? It's baby steps. It's not rushing and trying to get to the solution all at once, but taking a small step in the right direction and going from there. I think that's really where people get this analysis paralysis. Like there's just so much out there and I don't even know where to start, but it's starting off really with what do you know? And then untangling it down and creating small little action steps like each week 
um, that allow you to get a little bit more clarity, a little bit closer to what you're looking for. So I'm going to use a, a ridiculous example. Sure. We've got a long list and amongst the three items there are salesperson, engineer, and uh, artist. Just for the sake of three disparate kind of personality types if we were looking at stereotypically. How does someone sort out all these broad possibilities and start narrowing it? You know, like, how, how do you figure out that maybe you should be an artist or an engineer or a salesperson? Yeah, you, you would start with one. So we could start with the engineering piece and then just ask questions like, okay, what is appealing about the engineering piece for you? Like what stands out? Why are you interested in that? Um, where, where does that interest come from? Is it from yourself? Is it from your parents? Is it from your colleagues? <clears throat> and then you would do the same kind of exercise, um, salesperson. Um, why are you interested? And then understanding where their personality fits with each of these as well um, helps as, you know, helps if they're completely a creative person or if they're like, they don't like interacting with people, then it gives them a little bit more perspective to see, well, you know, in a sales role, you'll need to be interacting with a lot of people. Or is that something that you're comfortable with? Or in an engineering role, you have to be strong and love the numbers. You know, is that something that you're good at? Um, so being able to ask some of these questions and match it to some of these options that they're considering. And thus, excuse me, as we start to narrow down the long list into a short list mm -hmm. and a coach, you, whomever takes them through the process and they start to understand what it is about the type of work that has made them curious. I tend to think of the, I'm curious as, I've got an idea of what it's like, but I really don't know. Mm -hmm. is, is that what you find? Yeah, definitely. And and that's why we emphasize a lot on doing informational interviews, just speaking to people who are in those professions to really know and get a deeper idea of what it would be like um, as, as a way to fact find and see, does that align with what they really want to do? So there's this you know, inner work that they have to do of asking themselves these questions, but there's also a little bit of external um, interview and research work that needs to be done as well. And in talking to people, it's just, what, what do you do? What's a typical day like? You know, what gets you stuck? What do you hate about what you're doing? What do you love about what you're doing? What's in the middle, right? Is that how you take them through? Yeah, if they were to go out and speak to people regarding, let's say, the engineering position, then it's getting curious and learning more about, yeah, what does your day-to-day -day look like? Absolutely. And then seeing if that vision aligns and sounds interesting or, um, or completely repulsive to what they want to do. And, and I think in terms of, I'm going to throw in the artist one here, for example, because sure. that's the most disparate from the three that I gave. Mm -hmm. uh, I think in terms of how do you get ahead? How do you move forward as an engineer, a salesperson, an artist? What does the business of art look like? Because it's not just simply sitting in a canvas or in whatever medium you're working with is a part that you want to sell, you want to show. You know, there are things that allow other people to discover about you that you need to explore. Um, so we're learning about 
the profession in these informational discussions, right? Yep, learning about the profession, about the industry, about where it could lead you and all the possibilities in between um, when you're doing that research. Because, you know, let's say you want to be an artist or you want to be a writer. Okay, where can that open up? Where does that lead you? And what roles are tangential to that to that profession? Um, and that requires a little bit of research as coaches. I mean, I'll put it out there. I don't know every single occupation out there, but I know the general format of how to go around it and how to actually explore and the fundamentals um, to move forward. So, but that's on the client to be able to start doing that work once they know, and they can mirror that process to any of these roles that sound interesting to them. And folks, you know, if you've ever heard stories about how does someone become a successful real estate investor, it's always said, you don't have to figure it out yourself. You talk to someone else and do what they did. You know, it's a cookie cutter to this uh, in real estate development. And it's the same thing in doing a career transition. You talk to people who've done this before you, learn what it took for them to get to where they are, what the hurdles were, the pleasures, um, the mediocrity is not everything is in the extreme. There's a lot of grunt stuff that happens where your deficiencies are from a skills perspective or a knowledge perspective, maybe rectifying some of those like going to school, taking a class, what have you, and then ruling out. <laughs> you know, we got a long list. We got to rule things out. So, um, is that how you manage people in this process? You help them eliminate choices so you get down to a narrow group. Absolutely. My, uh, my framework is um, awareness, approach, and actualization. So what we talked about is that awareness piece of understanding where do you want to be, what's on the table. And then you're talking about the approach piece of how do you actually start moving forward, and that's the strategy behind it. But you have to know where you want to go first to be able to start then putting in baby steps approaches. Otherwise, you'll just be spinning, spinning everywhere. Um, and then that third piece is, you know, holding your feet to the fire, like you said, the actualization piece, which happens over time. And it's not something that, you know, um, you know we're it's, it's not, not it's not going to be a quick a quick, all right, in a week, I figured it out. It's going to take time. It's take it takes patience. It takes a lot of uh, diligence to be able to get to where you want to be. And, and folks, if you're listening to this as a podcast, I just want to say I was laughing at the idea of figuring it out in a week, because if you're doing the work, you're really getting it and talking to multiple people over a period of time to hear their stories, because one person's story is going to be different than another person's story. And then you're looking you know, and when I coach people through a transition, I tell them, you have to look for common stories, common threats, common themes, because you may be talking to the outlier, you know, the, the person whose experience is very different. I went to college and suddenly I was hired as a VP. Very, un very unlikely. So it's how do you work your way up the system in order to advance that you just want to hear about beforehand because surprises are rarely good, right? <laughs> Better to know in advance what the process is going to be like once you're in there. Um, as another coach said so well, um, a lot of people operate with the feed me grapes 
approach to career change. That is, you're sitting back on the banquette and the coach is dropping grapes into your mouth as though you can't do the, you know, you have no work to do. Um, you have work to do, folks, and we're going to make you work. Because <laughs> no one can tell you the answers because no one can give you the right questions for you. Yes, absolutely. I remember our first conversation where you were telling me um, when you were a recruiter, people would, tell, would ask you, what should I do with my life? And that's the exact same thing. It's like, we're not the experts in your life. You are the expert or the client is the expert in their life. And and so many times they're like, I just want someone to tell me what to do. But in this case of your career, where it's this long-term game that you're playing, it has the work has to be done from their end. Um, so that's such a beautiful analogy of this great like feeding the grapes that we can feed, you know, insights and buckets of information for them to consider, but they have to actually be the ones doing the work. It's your choice in your life. Mm -hmm. And thus you have to be aware of what's most important to you in the next career, organization, job. What would you need to see or hear to believe it's a good choice for you? Mm -hmm. And once you have the answers to that, you can start breaking down some of these different alternatives and go exploring. Now, let's say we've got to narrow down to three or four different things. I'm coming back to that question I asked earlier. So we got to narrow things down now because if a dog chases a rabbit, I know they can catch the rabbit, but if they chase four rabbits, I also know they can't catch any. So how, how does someone go about figuring it out down to the single role? Yes, that's a, that's a really great question. And, you know, as coaches, we help to hold that accountability and coach around what is it they're actually really afraid of? Because like I said, I, I believe that people, once they narrow it down and they're gravitating towards a certain direction, now it's the mindset around um, what else can they shift to make that a possibility? Because they may be saying, okay, it's impossible for me to be an artist. I can't do that. And the coach's world is to be able to open up those possibilities and show them how it is possible and give them little baby steps to seeing those possibilities. Um, I, I don't know if that answered your question or not. <laughs> to start, I'm, I'm going to come back to you as an example. So you knew deep inside that coaching was really the right thing for you. Mm -hmm. But there were other voices, I'm sure, that were talking to, trying to distract you. Come, come to me, come to me. I think you should be a poet or whatever the other alternatives were. Uh -huh. Did you silence the voices? Did you put them through the same process? I just want to see if you took your own medicine I did. Yeah, I totally did. So, so after I left my corporate role, I was in a transition from moving from the Bay Area to LA. And um, after leaving my leaving my last role, um, I was back on the job market, I was interviewing with different companies thinking I was going to go back into HR and not really sure where this whole coaching thing fit in. Um, so for me, on one of those drives down from Northern to Southern California, I was actively interviewing, I was launching my coaching business, my energy was just all directed into different places. And then I just heard this calling telling me uh, not to pull myself out of the interviewing stages, I had already turned down an offer that was the first, that was the first like, whoa, what, what am I doing? That was the first like wake up call. And then the second one was, 
pull yourself out of the interviewing process. You're just getting really distracted at this point and actually do what you love. So at that point, I called my recruiters, I pulled myself out and then I'm like, okay, I'm all in now. So I really surrendered to that um, and learned to really read into my intuition and tune into my own inner knowledge and inner knowing. Um, but yeah, there was a time where I was thinking about going back into the world and, and not really sure. And that would have just put my you know, put my business and put my dreams on pause. And um, I decided to try something different. And, and thank you for explaining that, because I know I went through something similar in my transition from recruiting to coaching. And I, my version of coaching is broader than just simply job search and career transition, as I'm sure is the case with you. At right. times, I, you do leadership coaching, executive coaching, because you work with people who you help and they want to continue the relationship so they come for advice uh, and you help them develop and grow that way too so as you began this eventually you had the moment of truth with the offer now i think of for so many people i want to i'm going to pause for a second what were you going to say there you no the no no you, yeah, that was that was so right. The the moment of truth with the offer, and that was like, okay, do I take this offer or do I um, actually go after this business that I want to build? And I knew that if I were to turn it down, then I had no other fallback. Um, and this is granted, this is in the middle of COVID. Like, do I want an offer? Do I want something stable, or do I want to go the riskier route? And I chose the riskier route to start my own business. So it's yeah, it's definitely been a fun journey. <laughs> And for some people, you know, I, I'm hearing about, gee, I, I'm giving up the security of a job, of a paycheck, and going out on my own, mm -hmm. which is what you and I have both done. And, you know, I, I, I don't think I could go quite that far at this time. I, I think I need a different kind of job. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm going to go back to being a beginner, and they want me to make how much? Oh, I don't know if I can do that. I, that. That seems like a pretty good haircut. Um, you know, how does someone navigate the financials of a transition? Mm -hmm. Everyone's situation is going to look completely different. So as a coach, again, we're not invested in um, like my, my, my agenda is not, or my purpose isn't to push an agenda and it has to work for whatever the client is. So some people I see, they start picking up and working on a side business on the side to really make that transition. Um, but again, it's being able to put some of those stepping stones into place of where they actually want to go down the line. Um, but yeah, completely agree that everyone's financial situation looks different and they have to do what's wise for them. And sometimes that means staying in their job and, and uh, figuring out what that path is. And if it's the job that's really taking up a lot of energy, then we work on coaching mechanisms or coping mechanisms to be able to like to manage it better, manage the stress better, manage the situations better. And for the married individual who's got the wife, husband, partner, the kids, the mortgage, you know, the American dream slash nightmare. I, I say it that way because for so many people, they feel trapped in this scenario. Mm -hmm. I know I never coach out of the relationship. I try and coach the financials and how to do time management to explore the new option mm -hmm. and do something on the side that's reasonable 
Mm-hmm. Do you tend to do something similar? I know you never coach you out of a relationship. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, it's really based on what the client needs. And I meet them where they are. Um, most of my demographic, there are more younger families or like recently married couples and they're, they're trying to figure out where they want to go next. Um, so that's my demographic as opposed to... Um, I, get an older, I tend to get an older clientele. Mm-hmm. After all, folks, look at this face. You know, it's who I tend to attract or someone who's looking for a father figure. Mm-hmm. So, so, so you meet them where they are and thus how do you help them sort this through? Do you bring the, the other spouse or the other partner into the equation um, into a meeting or do you just work with the one individual and have them have the conversation? I work with the one individual and seeing what is what they need to or where they need to be coached on i haven't gotten to the place where they bring in their their significant other i'm open to that if they if the client feels like that's needed then helping to facilitate those conversations but it's being able to coach the person in the room and having them take responsibility for what actions they need um so i haven't brought in um you know spouses or partners yet uh, I tend not to either, although yeah. I, I've known other coaches that have. I know in search, sometimes I would talk to the, to the uh, partner uh, so that in this way they would hear directly because the person I was working with as a candidate sometimes tells, shall we say, untruths, blames it on me, and um, they're just trying to finesse a situation because they're afraid of what's going to be said. So uh, it just becomes easier or was easier at that time as a coach, not ideal unless there's something going on in the relationship that's problematic and it becomes a facilitated conversation. Mm -hmm. But that almost brings me back to my therapy days where, you know, in couples counseling, couples therapy, often the presenting problem was the child but it was really in the relationship between the parents mm-hmm. and the family system. So the child was the problem, but it was really the parents mm-hmm. and how they worked with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, this is fun. What should we talk about now? What's the next thing we, we should cover as part of this process? So we already talked about figuring out the awareness, putting together an approach of where to go next. I think we should talk about what it means to hold your feet to the fire. Oh, good. So tell me, what does it mean to hold your feet to the fire? <laughs> it's, so it's having a long-term vision of what you want to create. And I think that's what makes coaching so magical is because we're helping people create that life that they really want and like implanting in their mind what's possible because, and that doesn't happen you know, in the court, it may not even happen in the course of our coaching relationship, but as long as they know what that long-term vision looks like, then the client is accountable or they know where to move to next as long as it's, it's towards that target. So um, I, I don't know if you had certain strategies that you share with your team or your clients, um, how they can move closer to actualizing their goals. Sometimes it's, you know, they're not ready and it could be a skills deficiency for which education is important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I sometimes will encourage someone to do is to get proximate to the profession, get near it, get in contact with people who are 
doing the work in it to be of service to them and then really work like a maniac so that you get noticed and thus have the opportunity to get pulled into the role because people see your commitment. That's one approach to doing it uh, in, in that you're not ready yet. There's something missing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can't afford school right now. And yeah, you could take classes on a site like Udemy, udemy.com uh, that can help you. But fundamentally, the goal may be to get right next to it. I find that's helpful. Have you done something similar with people you work with? They figure out a lot of my clients are in that process to like where to go next and they sign up for courses and they sign up for different programs, which is great in furthering their mission. Actually, a couple of my clients are um, more thinking going the route of entrepreneurship or self employment so so they're working their full time jobs or building up these skills through these classes and they're starting to put in action places or put certain things in place so that they can reach their goal of launching their business or going into uh, self-employment. Um, again, they're all strategies and all different steps and everyone's situation will look different, but that tends to be my, um, my general clientele as they're working full-time right now and they're figuring out where, where to next. So are, are they doing you know, fundraising at this point, uh, business plans? Uh, what process are they engaged in for going into entrepreneurship? Uh, they're exploring and crafting what that vision looks like. I think that's the first, that's really the first piece is like, if you're going to be thinking about your business or launching a business, what do you want that to look like? What do you want your lifestyle to look like? Um, and putting together a plan, um, a future plan of what that transition period could look like. Like, when do you want to transition out of your nine to five? And it could be a year from now. It could be two years from now, whatever that timeline looks like. Are you having them assemble um, uh, a council of advisors to help them? Are you helping them uh, assemble and affect the management team around themselves to work with that? Tell, tell us a little bit more about that piece of it. Yes, absolutely. One of the big things that I've realized is from those who have been so accustomed to working in their nine to five, moving into entrepreneurship is a completely different mindset shift, right? And um, the first piece is having community, whatever, whether you want to call it advisors or counsel or consultants, it's having a community of people who are going to be supportive and understanding your journey. So finding where those pockets of people hang out and starting to surround yourself and have those conversations um, is really one of the first steps is like know where your tribe is going to hang out and start being extra vigilant of um how other businesses in that space are being run. And thus, with that learning, you start to discover what you need, what assets you need to bring on, because assets are not just simply financial, mm -hmm. they're human capital, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Not everyone's going to want to build a business that hires like you know, tens and twenties or hundreds of people. Some people just want to be in it in business for themselves and be a solopreneur or have a small brick and mortar. So everyone's uh, viewpoint of what self-employment or entrepreneurship will look different to them. And I really like to honor that, um, like meeting them where they are and helping them to create what is the vision of their business that they want it to look like. Great. 
I'm having a lot of fun, but I want to be respectful of your time. How can people find out more about the work that you do, hire you, all sorts of good stuff? How, how can that happen? Yeah, they can uh, go to my website, www.michelleku.com. Um, there's more information there. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. My handle is MKYU Coaching. So you can find tidbits of inspiration and just different mindset perspectives and um, yeah, insight on my social media handles. So that's today's show. I hope you found it helpful. And if you did, I've got a lot that's in the show notes that will help you. Go there, take a look at some of the things I highlight. I know it can help you with your search. But I want you to do one thing for me. And that is put in your phone, thebiggamehunter.us, Jeff Alpin, my name. And when you need help, when you need advice, when you have a question, come over to the website, go exploring in the blog, contact me for coaching or because you have a question, I'd love to help you. In the meantime, I hope you have a terrific day and most importantly, be great! (laughs) 